This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. I'm CQ Roll Call Deputy Editor Jason Dick. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know from CQ Roll Call's reporters in Washington. Today is Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. The coronavirus continues to get closer to members of Congress. Not only are rates rising across the country, but lawmakers themselves continue to get it. Morgan Griffith, a Republican representing Southwest Virginia, became the latest member of Congress to announce he had tested positive. Griffith was among members of the House Freedom Caucus, who participated in an outdoor press conference at the Capitol last week, demanding the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention lighten up on stringent requirements about reopening schools. News of his positive test raised concerns about the risk to his colleagues who were at the event with him. Griffith wore a mask for most of it, but most members did not, and those who spoke at the briefing used the same microphone, including Griffith. He's at least the 12th member of Congress to come down with the coronavirus. Meanwhile, congressional leaders and the White House are beginning to trade ideas through the press and in public statements about what should go into another coronavirus economic relief package. Peter Cohn, CQ Roll Call's budget and appropriations editor, has more on that. I'm here to give you a quick synopsis of what we're likely to see on the next coronavirus relief package, which is looking more and more like a certainty now uh, that key Republicans, including White House officials, have come out and said, we probably need to do something, given what's happening with the economy and states, big states like Florida, Texas, California, have had to reconsider their reopening plans. And the unemployment rate is just stubbornly staying quite high. So there is a recognition on both sides that something needs to get done. The question is going to be one of scope. House Democrats have already passed a $3.5 trillion package that is hugely, it would be the the largest relief package ever assembled, bigger than the one that became law back in March, which is about $2 trillion. House Democrats want about $3.5 trillion. The Republicans have said that the package needs to be closer to about a trillion. So the negotiations are going to be somewhere in that $1 trillion to $3.5 trillion ballpark. And uh, Democrats would obviously prefer that number to be closer to where they want it, and Republicans prefer it to be closer to where they want it. And much of that is going to be dictated by where the economic numbers take us over the next couple of weeks. They've got about three weeks starting Monday until the the annual August recess, which nobody wants to avoid. The next three weeks are going to be kind of frantic in terms of the negotiations and the back and forth on what's going to be in this next package. We've already seen um, both sides talk about some key components that we fully expect to be in the next package. Number one would be another round of direct payments or checks from essentially from the IRS or refunds if you have direct deposit. In March, everybody got $1,200 per person if you make up to a certain threshold, after which it phased out a little bit. But there's likely to be something like that again in this next round of relief. Uh, what to do about the expiring $600 unemployment uh, added benefit that the federal government has been providing through July 31st. That is going to be a, a key topic of, of negotiation. There's likely to be some form of, of extension of this added benefit, but the Republicans believe the $600 figure per week is is far too high because it basically puts people who are out of work now, it gives them essentially higher pay to be home not working than they were receiving before they were, were laid off or, or, furl- or temporarily let go. 
So that's a sticking point, a very important one. But both sides have said that unemployment insurance is definitely on the table for this next package. States and localities are just hemorrhaging cash. Their budget shortfalls have gotten completely out of hand as a result of the pandemic and economic shutdowns. So providing additional relief to state direct aid to states and and local governments. House Democrats want close to a trillion dollars. Republicans have said we're willing to compromise, but what that figure is, is, uh, is unclear at this point. Republicans have said that in exchange for state and local relief, they have to have liability protections for businesses and others who are going to be reopening, whether it's kids going back to school in the fall or businesses reopening and hiring people back. They have to have protections from lawsuits in case somebody gets sick and decides that the, that business has not been taking ad, adequate precautions. They want to have protection so that if the government says it's okay to open, they're not going to get sued if somebody gets sick, even after they've been taking all the appropriate steps to prevent that outcome. So those are the, the, some of the key components uh, we're looking for in the next round. Uh, Democrats are going to be pushing other things to, to be a part of that, like uh, additional food stamp relief for low-income households protections from foreclosures and evictions. You're starting to see eviction notices more and more go out uh, as a result of people not paying their rent. So things like that are all going to be part of these discussions. Look forward to start in earnest uh, in the Senate because the House, again, has already passed their bill. The Senate's going to pick up the negotiations first, probably next week when they come back into D.C. from the recess. Uh, They'll introduce a bill and try to move it through the Senate, and then they're going to get to a bicameral discussion with the House and the Democratic leadership and the White House. And they want to finish all this up in in, uh, three weeks before about August 7th. It's going to be extremely difficult and uh, frenzied negotiation over the next uh, several weeks. While neither Chamber of Congress is in session today, there were still plenty of hearings taking place, both in person and remotely. And leaders on health issues in the House and Senate were looking for answers about progress on a COVID-19 vaccine. CQ Roll Call healthcare reporter Emily Kopp was covering that. Experts in immunization are worried that people don't trust the Food and Drug Administration to fairly evaluate a vaccine. In a recent survey, just 50% of people said they plan to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Their solution? More public input. Taxpayers are spending billions on the project of making a vaccine available in the U.S. Experts say the FDA should be as transparent as possible, and that should include conducting public hearings. There's already a little-known pathway for this sort of public participation. It's called the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, or VERBERPAC. It's an independent panel of academics and public health officials, plus a representative for consumers and a representative for the pharmaceutical industry. The committee gives non-binding advice to the FDA, but those recommendations are usually followed. Meetings are public and anyone can submit testimony. Democratic leaders on health issues in both the House and Senate are calling for FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn to commit to this step. Here's Democratic Chair of the subcommittee, Representative Raja Krishnamurthy. I wrote to FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn asking for his commitment to a 30,000 trial participant Uh, requirement for stage three human trials, as well as engagement with VERBPAC. A month later, we have received no response. Democrats want public input regardless of whether FDA makes a vaccine available through its traditional approval process or makes a vaccine available more quickly through its emergency youth authorization process, 
which only requires drug makers prove that a vaccine's benefits outweigh its risks. Hahn has said he won't let President Donald Trump pressure the FDA into approving a vaccine that isn't safe and effective. But worries remain. FDA approved hydroxychloroquine despite evidence it could cause heart rhythm problems. The authorization was later rescinded after reports of heart attacks. Trust in vaccines has been hurt by anti-vax conspiracy theories. If the FDA pulls the trigger on a vaccine too soon and later it's discovered there are serious health problems, that could set back vaccination rates even further, experts say. That's going to do it for July 14th. For the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, I'm Jason Dick.